0: Morning. I want to bring to you a message that you won't find on most Christian television. You won't hear in uh, most contemporary churches. Uh, this message has been working on me for quite some time, to the degree that I built a whole series around this one message that I'm going to be preaching through the summer months on Wednesday night at six thirty-three. the title of my message today is pretty simple. It's why do bad things happen to God's people? Why do bad things happen to God's people? I want uh, you to do some church aerobics and stand up and uh, let's read the Word of God together in reverence for the Word of God this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 8. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings, everybody say sufferings, are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Heavenly Father, anoint this word today. Lord, I need to decrease and you must increase in this house today. Lord, I know that there are people watching online. There are people in Abba's house this morning that are in the midst of struggle. They have experienced things that they didn't deserve. They don't know where they're going to get their next meal. They don't know how they're going to get out of this crisis that they're in. But Lord, I know that through the power of your Holy Spirit... They can be caught up in the third heaven this morning. That you can bring encouragement to their soul. And you can pull them out of whatever mess that they are in. Father God, challenge our minds today as we look into your word of God. And try to answer the question, why do bad things happen to God's people? Bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting there in First Peter it says... After you have suffered a while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The word perfect there means to bring to completion. It means having all you need. And it's interesting what the Apostle Peter says there. He says, listen, after you've suffered a while, and you've experienced loss, and things have happened to you, bad things have happened to you, understand that God will bring everything that you have been through into completion. That God will use everything that you've ever been through or that you are going through to perfect you, to complete the work he started in you long ago. Then it says established. That means to initiate or bring about permanent change. So you've been going through some tough times. You've experienced loss. You've experienced death. Lord says, I'm going to use all of those things to establish you, to initiate a new day, a new season, a new thing. I'm going to use every negative thing you've ever experienced to advance my kingdom. Then he says, listen to this, that you'll be strengthened, you'll be made stronger. And see, that kind of talk makes the devil mad. Because no matter what you've experienced or what you've faced or what you've lost, God says, guess what? You're getting stronger. And the devil's getting weaker. He's getting scared because your faith is getting stronger. And then he says, I will settle you. Now, the word settle there is the Greek word, and it means to pay a debt. And so what the Lord is saying there through the Apostle Peter to all of us is, listen, no matter what trials you face on this earth, I paid for it all. I have paid your debt. And there is an eternal glory that you are going to be promoted to. And you'll never have to face sin, sickness, sadness, death, loss, disease. There is a dimension that you will go to and you will be restored and renewed and you'll be brought into fellowship with your long lost loved ones. Isn't that good news this morning? That there is a greater plan, that God has a greater plan for our lives. In Job chapter 1, verse 6, you can't talk about why bad things happen to God's people without looking into the book of Job. And it says there in verse 6, chapter 1, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Thanks a lot, Lord. (laughs) Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God... And shuns evil. Some of you are wondering why you're going through what you're going through. It may be that you are blameless and you're upright. And the Lord knows that his word will go forth. Because when you go through it, you're going to come out giving a testimony to the goodness of who God is. And so Satan answered the Lord. He is the accuser and the deceiver. And Satan will do the very same thing to you that he says to the Lord here. Does Job fear God or nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And so the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So basically, Satan looks to the Lord, Jehovah, and says, listen, the only reason this man is blameless and upright is because he's blessed financially. He's got a blessed family. He has everything anybody could ever want. I mean, let him go through some struggle and he's gonna curse you to your face. So the Lord says, I beg to differ. And so the Lord permits Satan... To attack and to steal everything that Job has, except do not touch my servant Job. So when I was preparing this message, the Lord took me back to my early life and and some things that I I saw others experience, and also some things that that I've experienced. And I, I don't want to share my stuff with you this morning to make you feel sorry for me, Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I I think it's important that we get to know one another so you'll understand why the Lord would give me this particular message on this day. How many of you have asked the question, why? Why did I lose my lost loved one? Why, Why did I get diagnosed with cancer or diabetes? Why Did I have to go through this, Lord? And I think many times in the Christian life, we all ask these kinds of questions, and and we almost feel guilty for asking these types of questions. But I've always asked these questions in my life. I can remember when I was eight years old, mother had a wreck and nearly died that, that year, and... She was in a hospital bed for six months, and dad wasn't a very good mom. Somebody say amen. (laughs) But that same year, my grandfather would die at age 69, unexpectedly. All kinds of things were going on in my personal life. Our church was in the midst of a scandal. Uh, My father would be accused on local news of being a child molester and all kinds of awful things. And as an eight or nine year old boy, I got in a few fights at school and were in and out of elementary schools, really because I wanted to defend my dad. And I would ask God, why? Why me? Why my dad? And there were times when I felt guilty for asking those questions. There were times when I would cry, and, and I would see my family hurting, and I would ask God why, and I never could quite make sense out of why certain things happen to certain people. I'll never forget when I first started preaching, the, the second funeral that I ever did, and their family or members here at Abba's house, was a 27-year-old young man named Travis, and Travis was a loving and devoted father, loved his little girl, loved his wife, lived an upright life, was a joy to be around through his high school years, was a hard worker, was a great dad, a Christian man. He'd been on a cruise with his wife, and he came back and he started running a fever, and it ended up leading to pneumonia. And I remember going to the house after Travis... Died and and hearing his little girl cry out for him. And when he was unconscious and he was going in between the two worlds, they made a recording of his little girl that he could listen to. And she'd begin to scream and cry and ask why. One of the hardest things I've ever listened to in my entire life. And then I remember at 19, my best friend at the time would die of an accidental overdose. The first time he ever tried a particular drug, it killed him. While some people inject drugs every single day... with way more potency than what he took that night... and they continue to live and get chance after chance after chance. And that was another time when I said, God, why? You know, why? Why does this have to happen? Why do these kinds of things have to happen. I remember one of my friends growing up, his mother left him on a doorstep when he was four years old of his alcoholic father's home and she left him on the doorstep and he would be abused in many different ways, had cigarettes put out on his chest, was forced to watch things that I can't even repeat in this sanctuary till he got enough of it at the age of 12 and he met his alcoholic dad with a 12-gauge shotgun and he blew his shoulder off, tried to kill him. And luckily, Pastor Sammy and some of those that worked at Bethel Bible Village took this young man in and gave him a fresh start. But I've talked to him many times and heard him ask the question, why? What did I do to deserve to be raised in that kind of environment? And and be under that kind of abuse till I was 12 years old. And you know, there are times where there are no answers for certain questions that we have in the Bible. But I feel like this morning that I have five principles that I'll really be getting into over the next few months that I can release that I believe will bring freedom to this house this morning. But before I release those principles, I want to first tell you that it's not a sin to ask God why. It's not a sin to ask God why. It's not a sin to cry out to God. Why do bad things happen to God's people? Some say that it's our own fault. Some say that it's nobody's fault. Some people say that it's the devil's fault. But there is nothing wrong with asking the question. By asking the question to God why... We assume that there are values in life. We assume that life is worth living. Because to ask the question, to cry out to God and say, why? Means that we know that there is more to life than what we're currently going through. That there is more to this thing than, that we call life. By asking that question, we assume that the universe is logical and in order. We believe that it's in order and that God has a master plan for this earth. By asking that question, we assume that people are important. So when people have something unfair that happens to them, then when we ask God why, we're asking God why because we assume that people are important to God. And we want to know why this has happened to our loved ones, to our friends, to the people we go to church with. We want to know why these types of things have happened. We ask this question because we assume that life is worth living. We assume that life is worth living. Moses asked, Lord, why have you brought trouble to these people? Gideon asked, after he was plundered and his army was plundered, why then has all this happened to us? Naomi said, I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why? Nehemiah asked, why is the house of God forsaken? And Job said, Lord, why have you set me as your target? Lord, why have you set me as your target? David said, Lord, why do you hide your face from me? How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like that? Lord, why do you hide your face from me? But the greatest question that was ever asked By the greatest man that ever lived was when Jesus himself said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is not a sin to ask why. So what is the first principle? What is the first answer to this question why bad things happen to God's people? Number one, the warfare principle. Everybody say warfare. Satan is the accuser, he's our adversary, he's the father of all lives. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it is true, the devil wants to kill you. The devil wants to see you defeated. He wants to see you uh, at your worst. The devil doesn't want you to serve God. He doesn't want you to give a praise to God. He doesn't want you to walk and to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. There is a devil, he is real, he wants to kill you. All of that is true. But the first reason that bad things happen is the warfare principle. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness, against this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Somebody say there's a war going on. That was what was going on in the life of Job. There is an invisible war that's going on. There is an invisible war that you and I can't see. And there is a battle going on for your soul and for this kingdom. And to walk around talking about how great life is with the latest psychology and to avoid the fact that there is a war going on is ignorance at its finest you need to understand that there is a real enemy. There is a real war going on. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. There is a war going on. There are demonic spirits sent to destroy God's church, His people, His families, communities, Nations, there are spirits that must be cast down, that must be rebuked, and that must be put in their rightful place. The devil is a liar. He is a murderer. He is a thief. He has no legal standing in your lives. He has no legal standing in this church. And the spirit of Jezebel is not welcome here. The spirit of control is not welcome here. The spirit of Leviathan that twists And turns things around, that spirit's not welcome here. The spirit of Python that constricts and keeps the blood from flowing, that spirit's not welcome here either. The spirit of iniquity is not welcome in this place. There is a war going on. Peter was sifted like wheat, the Bible said who wrote our opening text. The Lord allowed him to be sifted like wheat. So there is a warfare principle. There is the understanding that there is an invisible war going on, that the devil wants to destroy you and that he's out to get you. But I want to tell you this morning that everything is not the devil's fault. Everything is not the devil's fault. I remember one of the most frustrating things dad did when I was a kid and I did this to Reed the other day. I'm going to embarrass Reed. He's already looking at me crazy. But Reed is a lot like his daddy. We have a hard time admitting when we're wrong. So I go into Reed's room and he has put lotion on his hands and he's made handprints all over the wall. I said, Reed... Who made those handprints? I don't know. It wasn't me. I said, well, who was it? I don't know. It must have been Rice. I said, Rice, go put your hand up to that handprint. Rice's hand's about like this. I said, well, Rice's hands don't fit in that handprint. I don't know, Dad. It must have been Trey. Okay. Trey, go put your hands on that handprint. Trey's hand's bigger than the handprint. I said, Reed, let's just try your hand in there and let's see what happens. Perfect match. I said, Reed, you know you did that. And I said, repeat after me. I'm wrong. I did it. I was wrong. See, Dad used to do that to me. I used to want to bite through nails when he'd do that. <laughs> so I started doing it really. I said, repeat after me. I was wrong. I did it. But it's so hard for me, most of us Christians to ever admit that we're wrong. We have such a hard time admitting, that, admitting when we're wrong. We can tell you when everybody else is wrong. We can tell you when everybody else is in sin. We can always see... The splinter <laughs> in somebody else's eye, but we miss the plank in our own. We can always diagnose everybody else's problems, but we, we, we have such a hard time seeing that we may actually be at fault. So there's a warfare principle, but then there's a will principle. Listen to this, John chapter 6. What Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This has to do with the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God is what God has predestined from the beginning of time. This is going to happen whether you like it or not. No weapon formed against it shall prosper. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, God's sovereign will is going to happen. There's nothing you can do to stop the sovereign will of God. For I have come down not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. So there's the sovereign will of God. Then there's the permissive will of God. Everybody say permissive will of God. Just like God permitted Satan to attack Job and to sift Peter as wheat, There are times where God will permit certain things to happen for one reason or another. So there's a warfare principle, but then there's a will principle. Some things happen because it is the sovereign will of God. And sometimes God permits things to happen to you so that the greater good can be done. Sometimes God will allow you to lose that lost loved one. sometimes God will allow you to battle cancer because he knows when you come out of that on the other side of it you're going to give a testimony to somebody else that's struggling with cancer. So sometimes God will permit things to happen to you so that when you come out on the other side on it, you can put the devil in his place. Sometimes God will allow you to lose everything so that he can get the glory from it in the end. It's his permissive will. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to them, Where do you come? Satan said, From going to and fro and on the earth, walking back and forth from it. And then we know the rest of the story. His children were killed. His livestock was gone. Everything that Job had was taken from him. And then his three friends come along. His religious friends had come, and they're supposed to comfort him, but they end up accusing him. Sounds like most church people. Job, this has got to be your fault. Bill, Dad, and Zophar. It's got to be your fault. I mean, you had to be guilty. You had to do it. You've got sin in your life. There's hidden sin in your life or you wouldn't be going through this. Where's the sin? Could it be that it was just the permissive will of God? Could it be that it was just the sovereign will of God? And then there's the submissive will of God. Now, you won't like this. You won't hear this on Christian television. You won't like this one bit. Sometimes God's will submits to our choices on this earth. God did not make us robots. He gave us a free will to choose. And sometimes we make poor decisions and we have to answer for those poor decisions. The Bible says we're not to be unequally yoked. The Bible says the body is a temple. The Bible says there are consequences for lying and adultery and slander and manipulation. And all the spiritual sins that I don't have time to mention today. There are consequences for our choices. So sometimes God, yes, he has a great plan for your life, Jeremiah 29, 11. Yes, God wants to bless you. Yes, he wants to put his favor on you. Yes, there is grace that is sufficient for you. But I'm here to tell you that stops at your decision making. If you choose not to follow God, you choose to do the wrong things, think the wrong things, go to the wrong places, touch the wrong things, there are consequences. It, it, it doesn't matter how great of a family you come from how awesome of a church you're connected to, if you make a bad decision and you don't repent for those things, you are going to have to pay consequences for your decisions on this earth. Each and every one of us has a penalty that we must pay. The good news is that Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid for every mistake that we'll ever make. But I will tell you this, the reason some of us aren't walking in the full blessing, the full potential of what God has for us is because we will not come to the realization that it was our fault. We will not come to the realization that we made a mistake. There's so much finger pointing in the kingdom. Every now and then, just say, you know what, I did wrong. I was wrong. Let's say that together. I was wrong. Look, don't that feel good? Don't you feel better already? You're not as perfect as you came in here thinking you were. Amen? God wants to set you free from feeling like you have to defend everything you... You know, we're all sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Adam messed it up in the Garden of Eden. And the second Adam, Jesus, came and paid the price for it. So no matter how hard you try, you're a sinner. You are a sinner. And bad things are going to happen. But the good news is you can connect with Jesus, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Spirit can make you blameless and upright. The Holy Spirit can live through you, and you can walk blameless, and God can finish the work. So there is the submissive will of God and man's free will. James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So there's the warfare principle. There is the will principle, and then there's the wisdom principle. Listen to what Job heard from the Lord after he got bad advice from his friends. God says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? You see, sometimes bad things happen to God's people because of our lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being a priest for me, Hosea, because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. Everybody say generational curse. Sometimes things happen because we don't know any better. Sometimes things happen because we don't have the knowledge in God's word to live right, to respond right, and to do right. And I'm going to tell you, there's a warfare principle. There is a devil that's after you. There's a will principle. There's God's sovereign will, his permissive will, and our free will. But I'm going to tell you this, too. There is a wisdom principle that if you'll do right and you'll stay in God's word, that you may not agree with everything that God has allowed to happen to you, but you'll know how to give him praise in the midst of a storm. God will set you free if you learn how to give him praise in the midst of a storm. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about chastening. And it says that God chastens those which he loves. If you're going through a mess, maybe God's correcting you. Maybe God is molding you into what he wants you to be. I would rather God chasten me, discipline me, and correct me than just say, I'll forget him. If you're going through something right now, God is molding you into something he wants you to be. Isn't that good news? That means you are important to the Lord. You are valuable to the Lord. You are valuable to the Lord. Now, number four, the works principle. Everybody say the works principle. Now, I preached on John chapter nine some time ago, and don't get excited. I'm not going to preach on the blind men again. I can't remember all those eye parts that Randy Caldwell recited anyway, so that was pretty good, you know. But listen to this. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? Just like Job's friends, there had to be sin somewhere. This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God, that the works of God might be revealed in him. The works of God should be revealed In him, I must work the works of him who sent me wild as day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Here's the principle here. Sometimes the bad things are permitted to happen so that the works of God can be revealed in you. Sometimes these things have been permitted and allowed to happen to you so that the works of God can be revealed in you. Maybe if you were born blind, maybe God wants to heal you so other people can see his works. In, in made manifest. But maybe this, maybe God doesn't heal you, but maybe there are thousands and millions of other blind people around the world, but maybe you're supposed to be a light in the midst of a dark world. Maybe you're supposed to give a testimony. Maybe somebody's supposed to look at your walk and say, man, that guy's blind. That girl's blind. But they're still praising Jesus. They've still made something out of their life. They didn't let the devil defeat them. They didn't let the devil push them back into their chair. They didn't let the devil push them down. The works of God have been revealed in you. That's the principle, is that sometimes God wants to work a miracle through your situation, through your mess, through your agony, through your torment, through your, through your pain. God wants to work a miracle through whatever mess you've been through. There's somebody that's going through the same mess. That's what 1 Peter said in chapter 5, that if you're going through sufferings, you're a part of the brotherhood of believers. Every person goes through suffering. Every person goes through things they didn't deserve. Every person in this room has been through something. But I'm here to tell you, you went through it so that the works of God might be revealed in you. You went through it so you can just go ahead and give God a praise. You went through it so you can go ahead and give God a testimony of what He's done in your life I'm here to tell you that God wants to use your story to help somebody you say Pastor Ronnie I've got cancer there are millions of people fighting cancer maybe your testimony can change the lives of somebody else you say Pastor Ronnie I lost my child early I I lost my, my child how do you bury your child I don't know, I can't answer that question, but I can tell you there's somebody else that's lost their child. And if you'll go ahead and say, blessed be the name of the Lord, then you'll give encouragement to somebody that's going through what you've been through. The the key is don't let the devil push you back into a corner and keep you from giving God praise. Because no matter what's happened to you, there is an eternal glory. There is another dimension. There is a next episode, amen. You're going to be reunited with your lost loved ones. But you can go ahead and give a testimony to Jesus while you're down here. And you can go ahead and say, Lord Jesus, naked I came in this world, naked I'll leave, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, he takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Devil, whatever you've tried to do to me, whatever you've said about me, whatever diagnosis has been read over me, I'm going to go ahead and say this morning, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, you give, you take away, but I'm going to go ahead and bless you in the midst of the storm. I'm going to go ahead and give you all the praise that you deserve because you saved me, you died for me, you loved me. You've called me blessed. And when he's called you blessed, there's no weapon that's formed against you that can prosper. He has called you blessed this morning. And you'll go from a wretched mindset to a winning mindset. There is the winning principle. Chapter 1, verse 20, the book of Job. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head... And fell to the ground. See, some people think Job was like some super saint, some super spiritual. No, man, he was in agony when he lost his family. He was crying. He was questioning God. He was hurting just like you and I hurt. But he knew that there was a war going on. He knew that God's will must be done. He knew that there was an opportunity for God to work a miracle through his situation. He didn't let the the wrong advice of his friends sway him. He didn't let anything knock him off course. He went ahead and blessed the Lord right where he was. Why? Because he was a winner. Not in his own flesh, because he was blameless and upright and God had his hand on Job. I'm here to tell you God has got His hand out for you this morning. He wants to bless you. He wants to use you. And you say, Pastor Ronnie, why do bad things happen to God's people? I believe it's so the works of God can be revealed in us. But I believe He wants to make us winners, man. I believe that when the devil says, listen, he's finished, she's finished, she's been divorced five times, nobody's going to want to fool with her. She's a Samaritan. She's from that other race. You know, nobody's done with you. You've been married so many times. You're shacked up. You're living with somebody right now. Jesus wouldn't talk to you, you dirty, rotten sinner. So ashamed that in the noontime, the hottest part of the day, she makes her way to a well. (laughs) She's thirsty, but she doesn't know what she's thirsty for. She knows enough religion to get her in trouble. But that day she got water that would quench her thirst everlasting and forevermore. Because I'm here to tell you, the world may have given up on you. The world may have told you, listen, you're a sinner. You're no good. You're never going to make it. But God says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and let him drink. I'm here to tell you, God wants to make you a winner. Job's story is inspirational, not because he was a super saint, but because he persevered. And he understood that there was a greater plan. I want to tell you this morning, no matter what you've been through, what you're going through right now, there's a greater plan for your life. Bow your head and close your eyes all over this building. I want to ask you this morning, do you feel like a winner? You may say, oh, Pastor Ronnie, I don't feel like a winner I don't feel like I'm ever going to accomplish my dreams. I don't feel like that that God could ever use somebody like me. I'm on the street. I'm addicted. I'm broken. I've made bad decisions. I'm isolated from my friends and my family. Pastor Ronnie, I, I don't know that God loves me. I'm here to tell you today, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you so much that He came. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross and on the third day later, on the third day, He got up out of that grave and He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And He won the warfare battle that day. And we are all winners. We're winners because God has already won the war. He won it at Calvary when He died on the cross for us. We're winners because He loves us. Because he loves us unconditionally, not based on how good we are, but how good he is. We're winners because he loves us. We're winners because God has a plan for our life. We're winners because God wants to use us. We're winners because we're not living for this world, we're living for the next world, the other dimension. We're winners because God loves us. No matter if you're going through hell or loss, or if you've had the best week you've had in months, God still loves you. He's still on the throne and He still wants to use you. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I want to tell you this morning that God has a plan for your life. But you have to understand, first of all, that you're loved. Next, you have to understand that you have a free will. And that the Bible says that we are all sinners. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that if you... Lie, if you steal, if you've been involved in sexual sins, drug addiction, spiritual sins, you've been a gossip, a liar, and you can't admit that you're wrong, you need to understand that you're a sinner, that you've missed the mark. You're a sinner. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, that you can be saved. This means you'll spend an eternity with Him in heaven This means that He'll never leave you or forsake you. It means that you're a winner when you don't feel like a winner. It means that God is going to use you on this earth to bring strength and encouragement to other people. That God has a greater plan for your life. That He wants to use you as a testimony to other people. So you say, Pastor Ronnie, I don't know if I'm saved. I I, I don't know if I even know God. I I don't know that He loves me. I, I, I don't know. Well, if that's you... I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray it together, Abba's house. Let's just say, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name.